There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And a very good afternoon to you and welcome to Wednesday's Late Lunch. The week is flying in. This is Barbara Scully here with you again. And I am not going to start today by commenting on the weather. Suffice to say that my washing is out. In Met Erin, I do trust. And there were lots of little happy sunshines all over my weather app this morning with a bit of a breeze as well. Um, So hopefully it'll stay that way um, because if it doesn't, I'll be very unhappy a little bit later on. But in other news, I see that Aer Lingus are looking for cabin crew. Now, when I was a girl, like most people I think my well like most women my age I think who grew up in the kind of 60s and 70s all I wanted to ever be was an air hostess as they were called back then and they were all air hostesses male cabin crew hadn't been invented no 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 the lads were only allowed in the cockpit where they drove that drove the plane the girls were all down the back looking after the clients and the passengers on board but uh, my dream yeah was to be part of Aer Lingus wear that fabulous uniform and be an ambassador not just for Aer Lingus but for the entire country until the day that I discovered that to be an air hostess in the 1970s, you had to be over five foot two, but you had to be under five foot six. And I'm six foot tall. So from the time I was probably about 13, I was beyond five foot six. And my dream of being an air hostess died. But now maybe it's not too late because now the ad says you only still have to be over five foot two. And they say that you have to be over five foot two so that you can reach into the overhead lockers and right into the back um, and grab things. But they don't seem to have a maximum height uh, any longer. So there's still hope. Let me have a look at what some of the other requirements are. You have to be over 18. Tick on that. You have to be fluent in spoken and written English. Can do that. You have to have good communication skills. Tick. Be flexible. I can work shifts. Absolutely. You have to have the height and reach assessment. Yeah, I can do that. No tattoos or piercings that would show. Yep, don't even have my ears pierced. I am laughing here. Be able to swim 25 metres unaided. Yeah, I can do that. Tread water. Absolutely. Both in real life and both metaphorically. And you have to be able to board a raft from the water unaided. Oh, I think that might be an issue. I went windsurfing once in about 1983 and fell off the board and couldn't get back onto it at all. I had to swim back into shore pushing the board with me. So I don't think I'd be able to climb onto a raft from the water unaided. But I'll tell you something, I'd pay good money to go and see the test where Aer Lingus put all these new recruits through their paces and make sure that they can achieve this. So if you can achieve that, if you think that you can get yourself out of the water, out of the sea and onto a raft, and if you fit all the other things, well, maybe there's a job in Aer Lingus waiting for you. Go onto their website and away you go. Anyway, what did you want to be when you when when you grew up, when you were little? Let us know. Let us know that and anything else that you want to share with us today. You can send us a text or a WhatsApp to 86 658 and we would love to hear from you. Now, my first uh, guest is waiting to talk to me about a subject that I think many women uh, will probably resonate with because I think certainly any, any woman who's self-employed knows it can be very difficult to charge the right amount for your work. I think women can particularly struggle and be apologetic for making, for when they're quoting for jobs or when they're quoting for work. So how do we get over this reluctance and how should we be more confident in our own abilities and in about asking to be paid? Well, to to talk about this and I suspect maybe a couple of other things, I am joined on the line now by Brona Malone, who runs a coaching business called The Power In You. Hello there, Brona. How are you doing? Hey, Barbara, how are you? I'm very well. Listen, thanks a million for taking our call. I'm looking forward to our chat. Um, So tell me, are women bad at valuing our own worth, especially when it comes to work? I would say yes. Like historically, 
um, you know, traditionally um, women compared to men find it harder and find it they're, they're more challenged when it comes to valuing themselves. And not just even when it comes to, you know, in business, when it comes to charging for our services, that definitely comes into it, mm. you know, um, for sure. But like the knock on effect, even if you don't have a business, the knock on effect into your life is absolutely massive because it doesn't just, you know, um, affect money, but it affects your time. It affects your energy. It affects your health. So I would say yes. Definitely. I wonder, is that something to do with the fact that women generally, whether you work in a paid job or you're working within the home, I think a lot of the work that women still do is unpaid. Um, and perhaps that's possibly where that, uh, the fact that we live in a patriarchy as well, probably um, is po- possibly part of the reason why. So tell me a little bit about how you can help women to understand and to be more assertive, I guess, in valuing themselves. OK, so... The way I work is, it's not, it is, you know, the money comes into it for Mm. sure, especially with clients that I work with, but that is a side effect. So when I'm working with women, like I, you know, started off with the majority of my clients being, you know, in life. And even when those clients were coming to me, what we started working on was the level of their power. Now, you know, power to some people can be a little bit of a bumper sticker. Like we're hearing it a lot, like reclaim your power, take your power back. But if you look at even in terms of physics, like power is the ability to do work. It's the ability to get things done. You know, we need it. And if we're not tapped into it, we don't get to literally create the the results that we want. So when I'm working with a client, um, we will work at this level and look at where um, they're not fully tapped into their own power um, and where also they're leaking it. And a lot of times, like, you know, in, in recent decades, we're really seeing, like, especially in the coaching industry, you know, the power of the mind and the power of mindset. But when I'm working with clients, we work across the four levels, and that's spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. And what I had found when we work at the level of the emotional body for women, that had the biggest impact. Um, And I've had clients both in life and business, when we work at this, like when they shifted um, and allowed themselves, you know, to, to take up space even with their own emotions because they're so judged, like we're so judged to think like, negative and positive some are good some are bad and the ones that are bad you want to repress them put them down and we're quite conditioned and programmed to suppress but when you know you know in this work when women women are given this space they naturally then begin to take up more space they naturally begin to tune into that intuition and that part of themselves that wants more not even more materialistically but even more like i want more happiness i want more meaning i want more purpose i want more fulfillment those kind of things but i found that when we worked on this deeper level naturally then i've had clients who ended up getting job offers out of nowhere for new jobs where they were getting paid more way less stress um, you know, because of the changes they were making internally. Oh. And then as well as that, then, uh, clients in businesses then, naturally where they might have been stuck in procrastination. Yeah. Um, like I had one client who literally had, had um, customers coming out of nowhere for an offer she hadn't even advertised yet. And right. that's the power of really working internally. Okay, so if I'm understanding you correctly then, a lot of your focus is actually about unearthing our own individual kind of our true selves or our authentic selves would that would that be right 100% 100% yeah okay good and I, I love on your website you describe yourself and I suddenly I, I kind of now begin to get it I was going to ask you what does that mean but I still ask you what does that mean because you describe yourself as a professional with the right blend of woo um, and I'm all about the woo as well um, so but but explain that a little although I think you've probably explained it but just explain it a little bit again I mean that's that's kind of the tapping into the kind of spiritual end of things Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, as with everything, like this all started when I was in my 20s and I just found myself absolutely miserable. And I literally headed on my, you know, adventure and journey. And what I found was like 
you know, we need the blend. There's both the masculine and the feminine qualities that are in, in each individual, and that's regardless of gender. You know, yeah. you've got the yin and the yang. And for me, I love this work because the coaching provides that structure. Like, I've had that professional training. It took me two and a half years. But then as well as that, I'm able to work with clients energetically and so say even when I talk about like the spiritual body like the root word of spirit actually means breath so this isn't even whether you're a so-called spiritual person or not it's like how much life do you allow yourself to be breathed into your physical body like how alive do you feel like a spirited person and I suppose that's when you know you speak about that authentic self that's that body where you know people can when they're tapped into that body, it's so clear because they're full of enthusiasm. It's just that natural joy, that spark, that get up and go. And do you think that women become more unattached from that authentic, deeper part of themselves because of how we are treated as we as we are girls and as we are younger women, that we have more, I don't want to say restrictions, we're judged. We're judged much more on, well, we're judged all the time on how we look, but um, that that judgment starts to interfere with our ability to really know ourselves. Would I be? Would that be right? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, like one hundred percent. I would totally agree with that. Um, like it's the the conditioning, like the conditioning yeah. and the programming goes through go so deep like if we even look at our grandparents or I know even when I was watching Downton Abbey like a woman her means of survival was through a man it was through marriage it was through you know not in who she was but what she could provide what she could offer and that kind of conditioning even the competitiveness competitiveness you know between women like that's still there in ways it comes out um but I love say um one of the people that I absolutely love his work is um, a physician called Gabor Mate. Oh, yeah. And he he actually spoke about, like, um, you know, in, in his work, like, say, 80% of women have autoimmune diseases. And this is what I've actually found. Like, some of the women I work with would have autoimmune diseases. But right. as we decreased, as we worked with the emotional body, um to let go of what emotional pain, they weren't even aware that they were holding on to. That meant that pain meds could go down. I had one lady who was stuck in bed, like with chronic fatigue, but over the course of of nine months, like when she just gave herself the time and space to process things. But he actually said, um, I was listening to him on a podcast, and he said, like, women have to rebel against the conditioning. This conditioning where this concern for others' emotional needs, the identity with duty, responsibility, obligation, taking responsibility for other people's emotions. And, like, and you know what? I think, the, I mean, I totally, I totally agree with, with, with what you're saying. And I, I think as an older woman, I know mm. that as you get older, I'm 61, that actual, because you drop a lot of the roles that you've played through your life and you do start to automatically almost look more at who who am I now, now that I'm not hands-on yeah. mammy, now that I'm not, you know, I'm retired maybe or whatever. And I think you do start to unearth that, that self and you do start to realise how much we are conditioned to be mm. people pleasers, not to make too many demands, not to take up too much space, not to be too loud and balshy and all of that kind of stuff. Even if in your rational brain you can say, hang on, that's ridiculous. If you keep hearing that, you internally internalize it and it becomes how you operate so I think what you're doing is is really really good um tell me I uh, how do people because I can imagine there would be people listening who, who say give me a little bit more of that where can people find out more about you Brona and get in touch with you yeah so I have my website which is www.bronamalone and Brona is b-r-o-n-a Malone, M-A-L-O-N-E dot com. But I'm, you'll also find me on Instagram um, and Facebook. And on Instagram, I'm just at Brona Malone. And then Facebook, it's the Power in You Coaching with Brona Malone. So you'll find me at any of those. And there's like a contact page where you can Brilliant. contact me directly on the website. Brilliant. If you want to get a bit of professional woo going on in your life and uncover who you really are, Brona, I could talk to you for the rest of the afternoon. But thank you so much uh, for giving me your time. I really enjoyed that. And the best of luck to you. Okay, Thanks, here comes a bit of Madonna.
Now, there's a couple of things that I want to tell you about that are happening um, over the next couple of days. The North East Cancer Research and Education Trust are holding a public information and support day on Saturday, this Saturday, the 23rd of September in the City North Hotel in Gormanstown in the afternoon from half past one until half past five. Um, You can learn about the latest developments and treatments in cancer care and you can also listen to experts from all areas, including nutrition, emotional wellness, exercise and finance. And they'll be available to give you advice and answer any questions you might have on how to address the impact of cancer. Tickets for this event are available from the Oncology Unit reception at the Gary Kelly Cancer Support Centre, CARA Support Centre, or by texting your name and address to this number 086 777, that's 777-3294. And your ticket includes refreshments um, and, and and entry into an excellent prize draw. Now, talking of cancer, obviously tomorrow's a big day for the Hospice Foundation. It's their coffee morning, their annual coffee morning. And this coffee morning's taking place all over the place. So shout out to the uh, coffee morning taking place in the Dunshockland Pastoral Centre from 10am. The Wolf Tones Walkers are hosting their annual event in the Meath Hospice Home care for the Mead Hospice home care movement in Wilkinstown Community Centre on Friday from 10 until 1. All money that's raised locally stays locally and they're also saying that if anybody wants to donate them some home baked goodies they would be very welcome to do so on the morning. Um, there's also a, the East Meath Hospice Association inviting you to join them for coffee cake and a chat again tomorrow on Thursday from 10am to 12pm in White's in Stamullen. Um, this is at the, again part of the uh, national uh, coffee mornings so get along to any of those if you can and support a really good cause taking us now towards the news and this is Damien Rice There's still a little bit of and you're welcome back. It's Barbara Scully with you today. Now, my next guest is Courtney Tyler, who lives in beautiful County Wicklow, where she is a keen forager and spends much of her time wandering the hedgerows, looking for wild food to preserve and or to prepare as uh, or to prepare as medicine. Uh, Courtney, how are you? Thank you very much for joining us today. Hi, very good, Barbara. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Listen, I want to start talking to you about something that, if I'm not mistaken, are in abundance at the moment, and that is mushrooms. I find it very hard to say mushrooms without saying mushrooms. Mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is. Are, am I right in thinking this is kind of mushroom season where there's lots of mushrooms out and about? Absolutely. This is the time. It was a bit of a slow start this year because we had the heat wave recently, but they're just about to burst all over the country. So... Yeah, this rain has been really good for just what we needed. So just, I so I'm mushroom- nothing more than spending my days in the forest looking for mushrooms. So uh, and I'm I mean, with faded breath. I think as somebody who doesn't do what you do and who lives in an urban area, I'm always surprised when I'm out walking where you see, first of all, the variety of mushrooms that you see. They're, they seem to be all different shapes and sizes and they kind of spring up in the most unexpected places. Um, so tell me a little bit about... How like how many different types of mushrooms and then tell me about the difference because I think we all know that there are some mushrooms that you definitely don't want to be bringing home. Absolutely. Yeah, there are so many mushrooms. It's overwhelming to even start sometimes. I, I think my job when I'm bringing people into the forest and trying to teach them how to begin is first to reassure and take away some of the fears. Yeah. And it's an absolutely safe thing to do if you are never putting something plant or mushroom in your mouth before you know exactly what it is. Um, and so with plants and mushrooms, sometimes the most innocent looking looking things can be the ones that can cause you the most damage. So yeah. it's always just the only way to learn is one by one. And right. I think it's much easier than kind of walking out into the forest or the fields or the hedgerows or, the, you know, the car park with the wood chip anywhere. Just if you stumble across mushrooms and try and find them, that could be or try and find where they are in your book. That can be the more challenging way. But if you begin, if you're interested in edible mushrooms. There's really safe edible mushrooms that look, you know, have very distinguishing features that make them a lot more easy to to find safely. So I think that's a better way to kind of begin the journey if, if you're interested in, sure. in looking for and, wild mushrooms. I mean, we all know that mushrooms, obviously, you know, we, we all probably buy our mushrooms in the supermarket um, and we add them into, you know, whatever cooking that we're doing. But I, I saw on your website, and I wasn't sure about how I felt about this. Um, did I see on your website that you do and serve sometimes at some of your workshops mushroom coffee? I do. I know the name can sound very daunting. So I, I'm always very appreciative if people are brave enough to give it a go. Because, of course, 
while there's mushrooms in there, it isn't the button mushroom that we're thinking of. It doesn't have that mushroom flavor. I add chocolate and spices or oh. all kinds of nice flavorings. I usually add bits of roots and nuts and trees, like as in pine cone syrup or beautiful things that are wild and abundant. They add in a lot of a lot of rich flavors, so it isn't it isn't as if you were drinking something. Yeah, yeah, it's not really taken off here. But if you were in BC, for example, you know Portland or Vancouver, mushroom coffee's been around for a very long time, and I think it's just about to really take off here. Oh Trust right. Me, so in Canada, is mushroom coffee is nearly mainstream. Oh, absolutely. You go oh. into any any coffee shop, and there'll be at least three variations of some sort of mushroom coffee. Wow, gosh, that surprises me. Um, and pine cones. Wow. Yeah. That just sounds... can be nice. Yeah, this is, I started making a pine cone syrup first. Um, that kind of was an Eastern European recipe that someone had passed on to me. Really good, full of vitamins and antioxidants and, you know, really interesting, complex flavor, um, but really good for fighting off colds and flus, lots of vitamin C. And recently I candied some pine cones as well to share with participants on my walks. And they're surprisingly, you know, maybe not the most exciting, amazing thing you've ever tasted, but sometimes it's nice to taste these little bits in the wild that we might not otherwise. God, my mind is uh, my mind is expanding and exploding at the same time. Um, <laughs> OK, I'm, I'm up for all of this. What else do you forage for other than mushrooms and, and pine cones? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I actually forage for all kinds, you know, seaweeds, roots, uh, acorns. Now, when you say roots, when you say roots, Courtney, well, what what do you mean? Do you mean like Dandelion a carrot? Burdock roots? No, not cultivated, although I love to grow cultivated vegetables in my garden, but I wouldn't call that foraging as okay, such. No. So when I say when I say a forage for a root, it would be yeah, dandelion roots are delicious. They also make another kind of variation on a coffee. Now, when I say coffee, of course, it doesn't have coffee beans, but a rich kind of dark drink that can be really tasty and dark and bitter. So dandelion roots toasted make a gorgeous coffee. They also are really tasty. Kind of, I love parsnips and carrots roasted in the oven. And if I use burdock or, or, or these dandelion roots, for example, they can be really tasty as well. Really, really delicious. So... Yeah, I forage for, and I've lived off only wild in Ireland, which was some challenge. You know, there were two participants in Ireland, myself and Lucy O'Hagan from Wild Awakening. We participated in this incredible study of how it would change our gut microbiomes to be surviving on, and, and thriving on only wild foods. So we ate only, nothing cultivated, only from the wild. And it was a life-changing and nourishing and rich experience in so many ways. But wow. uh, yeah. And how long did you do that for? I did it for four weeks. The, the test, the, the cohort, there was either a one-month cohort or a three-month cohort of 28 participants. So you either had to be in one or the other to see kind of, even if only after a month, had there been great changes that had taken place in our health by by changing over to this, to this diet. And we're um, still waiting for some of the results, but it was done through Zoe Microbiome Project and it will be on the BBC Food Programme. So it was it was quite an honour to take part and a huge challenge but really rewarding and how did you find that I mean I I can imagine it's a challenge going out and trying to find enough food to keep you satisfied um, (laughs) for a day Uh, but how did you physically feel after the four weeks did you would you have known that you felt different oh 100% really absolutely yeah and and I've made changes to my diet since stopping the pure wild I still will always have a lot of wild food in my diet being a professional forager but um, but it's a different thing to be existing only on wild but absolutely my vitality went through the roof my uh, my skin was really clear I felt maybe 30 to 40 percent more energy and vitality and just overall well-being I changed wow. my ideal weight I lost a few kilos we were definitely living with a calorie deficit but yeah. Um, but that stopped once we all hit our ideal kind of body weight. We didn't keep losing, you know, so I just and, felt at my optimum. And come here, listen, um, like, give me an idea now. What would you have for your brain when you get up in the morning and you have your cup of dandelion or mushroom coffee? What would you have for your breakfast? <laughs> well, to be really honest, I'm not much of a breakfast fan. Okay. But uh, I guess usually I kind of, you mean in my day-to-day life, you mean not just a part of the Wild Project. No, I meant to ask when you were eating just foraged oh, okay. stuff. What, what, yeah, like? Well, I often had, actually, acorns became a very important <laughs> staple, and it would have been something that we would have depended on quite a lot in this part of the world before. So 
I often started my day with something that sounds quite unappealing, which was a type of an acorn gruel, which wow, I need okay. to remarket it. I need to rebrand yes. it because it didn't sound that exciting. It wasn't that exciting either, but it gave me the very important carbohydrates that I needed yeah. for energy. And they are in short supply in the wild. In this climate, we don't have lots of big, fat, wild roots, which are another source of carbohydrates. So yeah. nuts and acorns were extremely important. So I kind of made a kind of porridgey sort of acorn base. Wow. I sprinkled on bits of bee pollen and, and flower petals and nettle seeds and things like that. Um, sometimes, though, I also maybe I ate a lot more meat and venison was my main. Oh, no. Okay. I thought I assumed you were vegetarian. No, in fact, it would be really challenging to live off the wild and be vegetarian or vegan. Oh, that would be, right. That would be a challenge. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Right. That's interesting. Now, listen, I want to ask you two more things. Number one, but one of the things I want to ask you, because there was a thing in the Guardian newspaper recently about, because if people are interested, going back to where we started, if people are interested in learning about mushrooms and what mushrooms are okay and what mushrooms you've got to steer clear of, the Guardian warned that there are uh, there are a number of books apparently available, I think on, on Amazon, that seem to have been written by chatbots and artificial, artificial intelligence. So they're giving the wrong information. Um, so, you know, I presume going to talk to somebody like you or going into a regular bookshop and buying, you know, a proper uh, book will help you to work your way around this kind of stuff. Absolutely. Books are important. and It's really important, you know, maybe do a little extra research. You know, this day and age, I suppose this AI kind of thing is a little bit, uh, we don't know exactly where that could go. But there, there is certainly dangerous things out there that recently everyone's talking about, you know, these kind of robot written yeah. books that, that don't have true or clear or even safe information in them. So there's nothing better than going out with someone, because I think for me, I learn best by touching, smelling, feeling. And a book, I can learn only so much, but until I've seen it and touched it in my hands, yeah. it doesn't fully imprint on me, you know. I think but, one, of um, the, yeah. one of the things that The Guardian pointed out was the, it gave examples of the pros, and they certainly over overegged the pudding. This, listen to this. The sweet smell of freshly cooked mushrooms wafted through the air, bringing back fond memories of my mother. <laughs> it's a bit flower. So flowery pros in mushroom books, be careful of. Courtney, how can people find out more about what what you do? Because I know you run workshops and, and, and foraging walks and all that kind of stuff. So where can they find out more information? Thank you. Yeah, so especially mushroom season for anyone interested is yeah. short and fast. So it's September, October, bit of November. So my events are up usually a year in advance because um, it's very coveted. There's only so much I can offer in this season. And there's, there's just not enough people in Ireland. There's, there's some amazing foraging instructors, but there's huge demand at the moment. So I'd recommend getting in quick if you might be interested. And my website is called hipsandhaws.com. And that's so hips, like H-I- hips yeah. and hawthornberries. So hips, H-I-P-S-A-N-D, haws, H-A-W-S, hipsandhaws.com. Excellent. Well, look, I'm going to be thinking about mushroom coffee now, probably for the rest of the show. Oh, but, come and join me. I'll make you a lovely cup of coffee. <laughs> I might take you up on that someday. Courtney, thank you so much for joining us. That was really interesting. That was Courtney Tyler, Tyler there. And you can check out her website, Hips and Haws. Now, here's a little bit of Mr. Horan. Welcome back. Now, I just want to remind you again about the Louth Joint Policing Committee's series of public meetings that are going on uh, all of this week. They had one last night in the RD Parish Centre. Tonight, the 20th of September, they're in the Lissadu Dundalk and tomorrow night, the 21st of September, they're at the D Hotel in Drogheda. These meetings start at 6.30pm and the theme is one of public safety and crime prevention and there'll be a number of speakers and presentations on these topics. Um, so you can just pop along or if you need more details, you can give a ring to 042 932 4389 where you'll get further details. Also yesterday, I talked to you, I mentioned uh, an event that is happening um, this Wednesday. Couldn't remember whether today was Wednesday or not. Today is Wednesday. So tonight, an event in Cabra Castle this evening at 7.30 and it's called Have Your Say and it's all about people pre-planning your funeral so that you can guide your family through your wishes. Now, you might go, oh my God, I I don't want to kind of even think about that yet. My mother did this and when she died a year and a half ago, myself and my brothers 
the whole thing was made so much easier by the fact that we knew exactly what she wanted for her funeral and for a couple of other things and her end of life wishes. We had it all laid down in black and white for us. And I'll tell you something else. It also saved any rows about, oh, I think Ma would have liked this or Ma would have liked that. So it's it's actually, I think, something that uh, is a terrifically good idea. So there'll be specialist advice from the team at My Farewell Wishes and they'll also be there to answer any questions you might have. All of that takes place in Cabra Castle this Wednesday evening at 7.30. Right, how about a bit, a bit more music? This is Starship and nothing's going to stop us now. And you're welcome back to The Late Lunch. Now, you'd kind of think at this time of year, well, I certainly kind of thought at this time of the year, us being now in the middle of September, that summer flowers were almost nearly over. And then at the weekend, I had reason to visit a friend's back garden, and which was a riot of colour and flowers. I was more than a little envious um, because there's certain things that I can't. I like my garden, but there's certain things I just can't get to flower at all. I have a sweet pea, I have two pots of sweet peas, which I have climbing frames and they're flying along, but not a flower between them. So I'm really hoping that talking to my next guest, might be able to shed some light on my shortcomings. Alma Purcell, you're very welcome to Late Lunch. Hi, Barbara, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you very much. Now, listen, you have recently opened your garden to the public. So can you tell us a little bit about your garden, first of all? Is it a big, huge garden? Is it a mad, wild garden? What kind of garden is it? Um, I suppose uh, it's a quite regular countryside garden, so it's an acre. It's huge, in other words. (laughs) Well, I suppose it's big compared to a town garden, but then if you grow up on a farm, maybe you don't think it's that big. But, you know, it's it's big when you're looking at weeding all around it and edging and mowing and all that kind of crack. But um, when you're in a nursery and you're looking at trees and you want every single one of them, then it's not so big. (laughs) Then it's not big enough. (laughs) No, never big enough, but I'm sure this is it. And how would you just... So, now, um, like the garden is 16 years old, so some of the trees I would have put in 15 years ago, I've actually had to chainsaw a few of them down last year because oh. they just never lived up to, you know, they didn't get berries, didn't get autumn colour, kind of, uh, and I warned them, I gave them a year. Did you? Know, and they just didn't listen? Out and they didn't, and uh, it just, it makes room for other things, and a garden is constantly evolving and changing. Janie Alma, I wouldn't like to mess with you, <laughs> your chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> the poor trees. But listen, if you know, um, you mentioned there the fact that, you know, you've got an acre and when you're coming to edging and, and weeding and all that kind of stuff. So how would you describe your garden? Is it a very formal kind of garden or is it a more wild or quirky kind of garden? Oh, yeah, it's very quirky. Like it's, there's no formality at all. There's nothing regimented or there's no roads or, you know, all the beds are kind of swoops and swirls and paths lead you through them. And especially at this time of year now, everything is at its peak. So you literally can't see round corners and everything's a surprise. It's kind of divided up into, I wouldn't call them rooms exactly, but different sections. And, you know, they're, you're quite enclosed by the plants in a lot of areas. And then maybe when you go up a little slope and then out the back, it opens up and you have a lovely view up to the Loch Crew Hills. Oh. Um, so like earlier in the year, it would just be covered in poppies. So um, it's called the Poppy Garden and it's near Old Castle. And um, it's just, it's been a whirlwind of a summer. We opened in June for the first time and... Um, the first three weekends, I remember, were beautiful. The sunshine. I remember that. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. The and so, came then. <laughs> and so, how did the weather affect your garden? Because, I mean, July and August were basically a washout. Didn't really, I mean, it affected some things like you wouldn't have had as many flowers on the roses and there are, the dahlias now, I'm finding there's very few flowers on them compared to other years. Just it was such a grey summer. But um, everything else, like the hydrangeas, had a great summer with all the rain and um, the trees loved it and everything is just, you know, bountiful and, and just blooming because of the rain. But it affected visitors, definitely. Because, yeah. You know, the whole thing is, who wants to go and see a garden in the rain? So people probably, you know, the first few weekends are really busy and then it's definitely quietened down. Quite but the last few weekends have been nice again. You know, once the sun is out, it's great. There is something, though, very beautiful about being in a, a nice, in, in, in anywhere with, where there's nature, whether it's a nice yeah. garden like yours or, you know, out for a walk in a park in the rain when everything is dripping and, and kind of, you know, everything seems very alive, I always think, when, when yeah. there's been rain. You can smell the earth. Um, can, like yeah. last Friday, if you remember, it was horrendous. And I looked out the window that morning and I said, there's no, 
nobody's going to come today. Yeah. You know, some days I think that. But we did, the doorbell went, and there was a lassie there, and we went round the garden for two hours in the rain, and we had the best chat ever, Morag from uh, Castle Pollard. So I know her, I feel like I know her now. Your best friend, um, new best friend. Yeah. Does she know about <laughs> your chainsaw? <laughs> yes, she does, she does. Yeah, Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> did you, um, were, for, were you always a gardener, Alma? Did you, was this always something that you did? Not at all now. I'd say, I remember when I was little, maybe helping Granny in the garden and, and pottering around. But then I did journalism after school, um, did that for 10 years. And then it was only when we kind of came home to the castle and settled down and built the house and built the first little flower bed 16 years ago. And I kind of always said, you know, with kids, I'll stay at home with them. Yeah. And uh, I think at that stage, after 10, 10 years of deadlines and, and publishing, um, yeah. I was burnt out. And I just totally got into gardening immediately and... I have an aunt, uh, Rita, up in Larne, and she always loved gardening, so she landed down to me maybe with a couple of bootloads of, you know, divisions of plants and stacks of magazines. I mean, she had been, you know, all the gardening magazines she'd collected for 20 years, so I literally spent a couple of winters reading everything I could about it. Ah, I was just yeah. going to ask you that. Did, yeah, because I'm an awful clown who goes out like every, at the start of, you know, the summer and spends way too much money in the garden centre and doesn't do any research and lobs plants into places where clearly they shouldn't have been and then yeah. I wonder why nothing's happening in my garden there's nothing uh, well, growing look, I think I've made loads of mistakes as well I've killed every lad go and there's one particular plant I've bought three times and they're 50 euro every time oh. my husband knew that um, <laughs> he, he might me, he might know it now <laughs> <No>. <laughs> there might be people listening um, yeah yeah don't tell him <laughs> but um, look we all make mistakes and we're always optimistic and even though I know my soil is totally limey here and rhododendrons and azaleas and that won't go I keep trying them I think this time I'll you know I'll use their cases compost and I'll feed yeah. them and I'll really look after them and then they just go yellow and die so I think we all are all guilty of the wrong things but look you, you keep trying and the ones that do survive and grow well get better every year and that's yeah. the great thing about gardening but, but the thing is that as, as well as you having obviously a passion and an interest you have actually spent the time reading the magazines and looking up stuff as well so, you know, most of the time I know what I'm talking about. Not all of us. And <laughs> how... That. What would you say as somebody who is, um, because I think, I know when we bought our house first and we have, you know, we have a suburban garden, so it's like way smaller than, than what you have. And I remember thinking, oh, I started to think of the garden as being like another just job on the list that I had to do. And it became this, like every time I looked out the window, it annoyed me because it wasn't the way I wanted it. And when I changed my attitude about the garden and started to go, I'm not I lucky to have a garden and I'm just going to go out and concentrate on that wee bit over there for today. Um, it helped me to kind of enjoy the garden more how much joy does your garden bring you how important is it to you as a person oh it's, it's everything really like you know yourself with a family and kids and it's just mental half the time and there's football on and you're rushing here and there then just when you do have the time and even if you're weeding or edging or a mundane every week task that you, you don't particularly like it's therapy and you're outside and you're I mean, geez, I curse to myself the whole time when I'm weeding and I'm, I'm giving out to the weeds and all that, but you're still enjoying it, you're still outside, you're looking at the other jobs I need to be doing and so long as you sit back every so often and look at the lovely lads and say, oh, isn't he beautiful or, yeah. you know, I, I planted him or I did that, you know. It, and your garden must joy. absolutely hum with wildlife in the summer. Yeah, oh, the bees and the butterflies and pollinators. There's some like um, Solidago, the goldenrod is amazing, Catoni esters, yeah, uh, just certain plants like the budley is obviously and you just look there, there's a budley outside and oh I can do them I have one of them yes well yes. there you go like you know hundreds of butterflies that's, that's true that is you very know, you're, true you're doing your bit for the environment as well that's, that's exactly yeah you have the high moral ground and say, look, look at me yeah. saving the planet in my one acre. You're also, I believe, involved in your local uh, GAA club there in Old Castle and you've introduced some of your gardening expertise there tell me about that yeah, we were um, we were lucky back in 2019. We were developing a new juvenile pitch, and there were some odd scraps of land, odd shaped bits on the outside. And um, just uh, we had um, we had a teammate who sadly left us that year, and it got us all thinking, you know, and what can we do um, to, to to remember him and so on. And yeah. we came up with this idea that we would do, do a biodiversity friendly wildlife garden on the outskirts with you know, areas where people could sit and think and, Lovely. you know, you've got the whole walk and track going through it as well. So um, we got Cormac Riley, uh, the plantsman from Nugent on board and we drew up our plan and Cormac and his wife Vilma did all the planting that winter in the in the pouring rain and the muck. 
But by God, you want to see it now, a couple of years later. It's just, you know, prairie-style perennials, beautiful ornamental trees and shrubs, but also uh, 90% of the things are picked for their wildlife and biodiversity friendliness. So it's a riot of, you know, hips and crab apples and viburnum berries. And it's just like a larder for wildlife now at the minute. Isn't as well as being amazing for people. You know, we've got one kilometre walking track and every, you know, every time I pass, there's someone there walking around. It's brilliant. That's fabulous, yeah. Uh, that's something that a lot of uh, sports clubs and GAA clubs in particular, I think, could latch on to because I'm not, uh, as people who've heard me on this programme before know, I, I really haven't a breeze about sport, but my middle daughter plays in our local GAA club and every so often she makes me go to, to watch matches, which I don't enjoy because she's the goalkeeper and she invariably yeah. has people charging at her and making her <laughs> fall over and everything. But if they had a nice garden, I must get on to them now, if they had a nice garden, I could sit and read my book there and I'd be there but I wouldn't be there and that would exactly. that would really suit me that would be great exactly. come here have you any idea why my sweet pea that I've tried to look after is producing loads of like it's growing and it's going up and it has leaves and it looks great but it's not a flower in sight and oh, I have no. two different pots in different parts of the garden and nothing happening what am I doing wrong well it could be the bad summer there wasn't a huge amount of sunlight but um, I'd say give it a good feed of tomato food um, and sure, hopefully it'll develop some some flower heads at this stage and, and it's not too late it's not too late like it's only mid-September you know, right. we, should get, we should get lovely weather right up to the first frost which you just don't know when that's going to be um, but yeah. you, could, you could get into you November could get know we've had birthday parties here in late October and it's been like summer so lovely. fingers crossed Excellent. Okay, well, if that doesn't work, I'm going to threaten them with the chainsaw. Um, People can get more information from your Instagram account where you're at the underscore poppy underscore garden. And is your garden going to be open for another little while yet? Yeah, uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook as the poppy garden and we're going to stay open until the end of October for this year. uh, Every Thursday, Friday and Saturday, 11 to 4. Lovely. Everyone is welcome. We've had everyone this summer from tiny newborn babies to a woman in her mid-90s who had a great time. Fantastic. That's just brilliant. Lovely. I envy you, Alma, and but continued success with your garden and uh, saving the planet on your one acre there uh, in Oldcastle. Well done. And thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. We'll take a break. And you're welcome back to The Late Lunch. This is Barbara Scully with you. Now, The Actors Home is a relatively new online community connecting actors. It was founded and is based here in County Louth and it has already got a kind of worldwide reach. So joining me now to tell me a little bit more are Katie Ozolkaja. I hope I've got that. I haven't butchered that, Katie, have I? Oh dear. Katie, are you still there? Yeah, I'm yeah. still here. Give me your. Did I do? Did I do a disservice to your surname? It's uh, Ozelkaya. Kaya. So don't pronounce the J. I beg your pardon. Yeah, and, that's okay. I think we may have lost Ashling, so we try and get her back on the line. But so I'm going to continue with you, Katie, just for the moment. Thanks a million for for joining us. You um, describe yourself as a new actor. So can you tell yeah. me a little bit about the the actor's home and how it has helped you as a new somebody new on the acting scene? Yeah, so I'm acting just shy of kind of two years myself. Um, and like one of the biggest kind of challenges that um, that we all kind of face, say when we finish our courses and things like that, is to kind of know where to begin, you know, like where mm. to begin looking for jobs, um, even like getting our headshots done uh, and getting footage and things like that together. Um, and then kind of like building and maintaining like working relationships in the industry. Because, mm. um, you know, over the last couple of years, say with COVID and that, mm. uh, quite a lot of people have, have gotten into the acting. Yeah. And um, so I found that like with the Actors Home, it's been really, really great. Uh, Lucy Lennox does a lot of, she does a lot of kind of um, free kind of informational Zooms and things like that. And, and she shares a lot of information. And Lucy is the person who founded, I think, the, the Actors Home. Isn't that correct? Yeah, yeah. Lucy is, uh, she's a casting director and she's from Loud. Um, but she she founded the Actors Home and kind of like part of the vision for it was, yeah, absolutely, to have somewhere for jobs and things like that. Mm. Um, but like also to kind of be able to give like practical advice and to really create a community where like where we all thrive and it's very very diverse and sure. inclusive that's brilliant um, and she's yeah and like something that she's she's really passionate about as well is like the mental health element 
So it can be like, as actors, like we get a lot of rejection, you know. <laughs> uh, so it's important that we kind of keep ourselves healthy too, you know, and she's she's really passionate about that. That's really good because it is, it's a tough business. And, and as you described there very well, it's not like you can, you know, once you've done your course, then go and join the company you want to work for. I mean, it's about looking for jobs. And as you say, there's quite, I'm sure when you finish your acting courses, there's quite a lot of the kind of business end that's shrouded in mystery. So it's great to have somewhere where you can, I guess, ask the, what you might consider to be the stupid questions, you know, that you have as somebody just coming in. Yeah. Yeah, it really is like and and as an actor, you know, it's like a lot of it, like vast majority of majority of the work is actually kind of self-promotion. Right. And, you know, like the social media platforms are really, really important. Um, And then obviously, you know, putting yourself out there um, and just taking a chance and, and like kind of going for kind of go for everything in the beginning um, to, to get yourself started and get the experience. Um, but then kind of when, when it gets to the stage, say, where you want to be thinking about agents and things like that and maybe to start reaching out to, you know, casting directors, all that, like it's very, it's very important that um, you kind of, you know, you're at a certain level when you're doing that and that you're kind of doing it in the right way, you know. Sure, sure. And did you always want to be an actor, Katie? Uh, it's, you know what? It's not actually something that was on my radar until the last couple of years. Right. Um, but I've always been really big into, like, performances. Like, whenever I'm watching, like, I watch a lot of TV and film, right? Yeah. Uh, and it, I've always been very, very much into, like, watching the actors, like, every single thing they're doing, why they're making those decisions, everything. And so it's definitely something that I've kind of, like, been into. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really only in the last couple of years that I, I kind of got into it, you know. OK, I believe we have Ashling on the line now. How are you doing, Ashling? Hi, guys. Sorry about that. <laughs> you, got lost. <laughs> you got lost there for a minute. Poor Katie's exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, thank you also uh, uh, for joining us. Um, so Katie was just uh, explaining. Are you an actor as well, Ashling? I am, yeah. I've, you- I've been an actor now a couple of years. Right. OK. So she was just explaining how the right, the actor's home is like a safe space where you can kind of, I suppose, um, connect in with other people. Um, Katie also touched on the fact that it's very inclusive. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Where where are some of your people from? They're not just all from the locality or even just from Ireland, are they? No. So basically the whole idea that Lucy wanted to do was to kind of break the separation with actors in different countries. Because obviously in your own country, you might have your own little group that you know that you've gone through training with or you've worked mm. together. So it's actually international. So we have people from Spain, Berlin, Germany, US, all over. And we all have access to this platform and we can all have these open chats because there's an open chat forum on the actual platform. And then in each country, we have what's called a house. So you have like an actor's house in Ireland, an actor's house in Spain. Right. And we would go to all the events together. So for example, over here, we went to the festivals together all the film festivals and we all represented the actors home there at the Galway Fla as well Great. Um, but we, we fly over and back like I was in Barcelona recently for, for other training courses that um, and master classes that Lucy had put on and it's just a wonderful way to get to meet all these different actors and directors and creatives in general just from other countries as well and it's relatively it's not a very expensive forum to be part of for, for actors sure it's not What's the, what is the uh, what is the fee you have to pay to be part of the actors home and can you also tell us then because I think you also offer um, asylum seekers and refugees the facility free of charge is that correct? We do absolutely so any any asylum seekers refugees it's, it's completely free we also have payment plans because as actors ourselves we fully understand mm. there's a lot of commitments and most things that we're on we, you know we have to pay yeah. what we're doing at the moment is there's an annual membership for, for 100 euro but we're offering the first month or two for free as well um, to try great. and encourage people to come to this to this event and network and really understand what what it's all about before you commit to such a big subscription but there are payment plans so you can pay by the month or you can pay annually. It's very, very flexible. Great. We're Sounds trying to, trying to accommodate for everybody. Yeah. Now, you're having an inaugural launch event. Um, we are, we are. At the end of the month in Dublin. <laughs> yeah, so we're actually having, it's the launch gala just because it, it is an Irish company and we kind of wanted to start out with a bang here. Yeah. And we're doing it in aid of Pieta House and Jigsaw because obviously it's, it's going to be quite a big crowd. We're looking at the numbers are about 250 and... Wow. We, we, we like, yeah, we like the idea of giving back as well. So we've got um, two huge panels. We've got international and national cast and directors, directors, producers, filmmakers, indie filmmakers, giving kind of a no-holds-barred, open and honest talk because the whole premise is 
to open and discuss like breaking down barriers you know there's there's quite a, a focus on mental health because as actors we do have to deal with rejection quite a bit and nobody really talks about that yeah nobody really talks about the impact of that so you know we've got we want to make it a safe space where everybody can talk openly and feel included and, and feel like their concerns and their worries are heard and it sounds nobody it, likes to yeah it sounds absolutely great just give us the website very quickly in case there are any any uh, actors or aspiring actors listening who want to get in touch actorshome.com. Brilliant. That's great. Listen, Katie and Ashling, thank you so much for joining me today and the best of luck, especially with your uh, launch event at the end of the month. Thank you so much for having us. Not at all. Thanks so much for having us. You're very welcome. Here's a little bit of Green Day. Back in a previous life, and that's the first time I've used that phrase this week, Louise, the first time I've I've had as many lives as the average cat. Anyway, back in a previous life, I used to work for the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. So it is a cause that is very close to my heart. And this is a big weekend for the Society. Their national series of memory walks are taking place on Sunday. So I'm joined now on the line by Anne Short, who is head of fundraising at Trida Lodge uh, here in Drogheda. How are you doing, Anne? Hi, Barbara. How are you? Ashram Grant, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, busy, busy. Busy I'd ima- weekend for us. <laughs> it's, a big, it's a big weekend. I remember the pressure because yeah, I was in... Uh- I used yeah. to do fundraising and PR a million and a half years ago and I, yeah. I know how much how much work would go into organising a weekend like this. Yeah, yeah, very busy all together and everything seems to happen at the same time, Barbara, you know yourself. Irish people are great <laughs> for leaving everything till the last minute. We don't, oh, we look, don't do much yeah. in advance. Anyway, yeah. Anne, can you tell us just a little bit first about um, Treda Lodge um, and, and the service you generally provide there? Okay, well, Barbara, lots of people will know of us at this stage. We just opened our new centre just over a year ago, and we had 23 years of fundraising for it, which was a lifetime for me. But um, it's great to see it up and running now, and the clients are just so happy. And now, you know, I've heard stories of clients not wanting to go home because they want to stay in the nice place. And I mean, that's just so heartwarming for us, you know, to know that. Yeah. You know, so it's great, really. Now, our services, um, we have 25 clients a day who come to us for daycare services. And um, they're they're taken in in the morning by bus or unless the family wants to drive them themselves. Mm. And again, going home in the evening and they have their lunch with us. They have a a light breakfast and a light afternoon um, snack before they go home. Um, so, yeah, we're we're so happy with all our clients and, and with various clients coming from various backgrounds and everything. So it, it's great. We try and match up people as much as we can. Sure. And we do a lot of cognitive services with them and stimulation. And, you know, it, it's really lovely. And music is a big part of the service as well. We have loads of musicians who come in to us, yeah. you know, who just want to sit and play music and they all sing along and I mean, it's a very happy place, Barbara. You're very welcome down to see it sometime. I, do you know what? I, you're, as I'm listening to your talk, you're bringing me back because obviously the, the type of work I did, I wasn't in, I wasn't on the coal face, if you like, all the time, yeah. but I did have plenty of occasion. And what you're describing rings absolutely true with my experience, yeah. albeit a million yeah. years ago. And of yeah. course, the service that you provide there is not just providing therapies and um, outlets for people with dementia themselves, but you're also, by doing that, providing their carers with a bit of respite so oh definitely definitely it's very important the carers are, are the most important yeah. thing in our eyes because if if we are trying to keep people home in their homes without going into nursing care it's, it's down to the carer who's there who takes the blunt of the burden and like they need looking after too you know it's mm. so important and um, like i mean we try and run we run a memory cafe every month um, we do some um, social talking to people like if they want to come out and talk to us we do that our, our dementia advisor is very good she comes up to the centre and you know people need to unburden themselves at times but it's our, tough, our newest isn't it? thing yeah it's the tough. newest thing now which we're very excited about is our social club which is starting on Saturday this Saturday um, coming this Saturday coming and I mean the society has introduced this um, probably after COVID, it was so ele- uh, relevant that, you know, people couldn't come out and yeah. that sort of thing. A lot of depression has set in with, with families and things. Sure. So as part of our services, we're introducing our social clubs. So we want families to come to us, even if they don't attend the centre, we want them to come down. You know, they can bring their loved one with them if they wish. 
Um, and like we want to provide the service where they can sit and chat to other families. Sure. You know, half half of the the thing is, Barbara, sometimes you're sitting listening to someone else's problems and you're kind of saying, oh, that happens to me. So maybe I can get some information from them or they can help me yeah. how they got through it. And it's all about sharing the information, you know. But we're, we're going to make it lighthearted. We want people to be there to enjoy it, you know, have a cup of tea, have chats with each other. And again, we're going to have people coming and playing music for us, you know. And we can talk about things that, you know, can help their loved ones with the cognitive um, issues, you know what I mean, and show them how they can use stimulation to to improve the the, the, the situation they're in. Like even music, some people forget about music and music can be such a big part of people's lives. And you very, know, so. very often people with dementia who, you know, have difficulty remembering things that happened recently. But if you start playing music from their youth and from when they were a lot younger, they can remember whole songs. And uh, oh, yeah. it's a big it's a time. terrific way of making them feel yeah. kind of yeah. vi- vital again, you know. Yeah, oh, very much so. And I mean, I, I, I always tell people when we do talks with families or with even at our memory cafes, you know, for the carers, like even to go to visit them, sit down yeah. and have a half an hour's conversation with them about 40 years ago when you might have gone to school with someone where you might have gone to discos sure. or dances, whatever the situation. And, you know, that all comes back to them. They're yeah. the memories that they are actually remembering. So don't think, you know, to yourself, you know, that it's not important for you to go and visit your old friends because that's where it's most important. And that kind of gives the carer a half an hour even to go out and do shopping yeah. or have a shower or something, you know, so things like that. And, you know, hopefully through the social club and that we can we can teach people, you know, the best way to, to use sensitive issues that they're going through at the minute. And, Great. You know, that's what it's all about. It's all about sharing information and, and teaching people. And, and if somebody's interested, I'm thinking of somebody who maybe had somebody recently diagnosed, can they just cop, pop along now on Saturday morning? Oh, yes. From yes, 11 to 1 can. to 1 o'clock? We're, yeah, we're there from 11 to 1 o'clock. And as I said, this is our first one. So I'm sure it'll be hit be miss a- as to whether we get a big crowd or a small crowd. But we'll be there. Great. We will share out our information. We will help people as much as we can because that's what we want to do. That's and what fi- we're here for. And finally, you also, I presume, have a memory walk here locally on Sunday, do we you? We have. We have indeed, Barbara. Yeah, our memory walk, we did it last year and we'll do the same walk this year, which starts at Dominic's Park. Great. We meet up there for about a quarter with the hope of starting for two o'clock. We'll just take a few photographs and whatever. And we'll walk along the ramparts out to Old Bridge House. Um, we can stop there for toilet breaks before we head back. And last year, a lot of people availed of the tea and the coffee and Absolutely. the coffee shop. So it was lovely. Now, the only thing I'm hoping for, Barbara, is dry weather. The weather, I know. <laughs> Listen, it won't be as bad as the ploughing, Anne. You can oh, look at no. it that way. Yeah, <laughs> it won't be as mucky honestly. as that. And so also, it's... I was just told this morning we have 60 who signed up already, which is a great crowd. But I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who will just come along and them who haven't registered. But Very everybody's good. welcome. And I keep saying to people, it's a lovely walk, and particularly if you have a dog. Yes. You know, you can bring your dog along on its lead and, you know, they're not doing any harm to anybody. And, and kill and two birds with the one... Exactly. Two birds with the one stone. Walk your yeah. dog and raise some money. And it's important, I think, I'm sure this hasn't changed. It's important, Anne, as well, to say that money raised locally stays locally. So if you're oh, doing definitely. something locally, that'll yes. help your centre yes. there. Definitely, yes, definitely. Fantastic. You know, it's all very important. You know, uh, through the years, like we wouldn't have had our new building that we have today, yes. Barbara, only for the generosity of the local community, community. here. We raised over 800,000 euro in Drahada. That's some you achievement. Know, that, oh, it, as I say, it took a long time. Time, yeah, but, you know, a lot of hard as work. I say to people when I'm talking to them, you helped build this centre. Like, you know, you went it's, out there, you fundraised for me, or you did your own fundraiser and you gave us the money. That's where all the money came from. So well, look, everybody it's, in the town has a hand in it. Has a know? hand in it. Well, look, it's a great achievement for Drada. And Anne, thank you for all the work that you do. And best of luck on Sunday and on Saturday with your social club there in the lodge. And that's it for today. Um, I want to thank Louise for producing. Thank you for listening. Um, don't go away. Eddie's next with The Drive. And uh, we are playing you out with Unhealthy by Anne-Marie. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.